prodigal. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's session of Water, Wind, Wine Ministries. I'm actually recording these in the same day, so I didn't want to lose the flow of the Holy Spirit. My husband is here, so I'm going to be looking at him like I said before in the last session. And we are discussing the story of the prodigal son. Now, when I ended the last session and spoke with my husband about what I had just taught, a couple of questions came up. The very first one that he brought up was, why did I mention Albert Einstein and Nikola Tesla? Because the whole premise of my last session basically was that the story of the prodigal son can most closely be related to a New Testament Christian who is living in the hyper-grace movement or under a hyper-grace awareness and therefore not keeping the commandments of God. And I say that very, very loosely, okay? In other words, they're living poorly because they know that there's a grace of God. And so Albert Einstein was not a Christian, whereas Nikola Tesla was raised by a pastor. And so Nikola Tesla is probably the better example of the prodigal son because he was raised by a pastor and even says that he received his ideas from on high from God. But Nikola Tesla wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Now, another point that my husband brought up is that when people hear me say that, they're going to say that Albert Einstein didn't waste his possessions with prodigal living and Nikola Tesla didn't because they both had some success. Albert Einstein, of course, being more. Now, Albert Einstein was Jewish. I know that he was raised Jewish, even though he himself was more of a proclaimed atheist as such when he got older. But what I'm telling you in this session, and I was really thankful that he brought it up, is that this is what happens, that people who have information from God, they have third heaven realities, they have third heaven business plans, or the way to bring heaven on earth, like Nikola Tesla, like Albert Einstein, like you, like me, we have these inside information strategies to affect life on earth. and people who don't have those see the people that do as long as those people that do make money and exploit their gifts and their talents they say that they didn't waste it but see God says that it is wasted because what God wants you to do with your talents and abilities is he wants you to be a blessing he wants you to bring things now did Albert Einstein and Nikola Tesla both offer this world some things that were blessings to us absolutely but they never reproduced themselves. They never were able to teach somebody how to receive the same information or copy what they themselves did out of the box. In other words, Albert Einstein could give you a theory, could give you a mathematical equation and teach you how it worked, and you can do that, what he did. But to think out of the box the way that he did, you can't do that, or and no one can. Same thing with Nikola Tesla is that people think in different ways, but Tesla wasn't able to reproduce and he wasn't able to teach anybody how he himself received the information. And that is exactly what happens in the story of the prodigal son. And I'm so glad that he brought this up because the world system says, if they gave us something useful and they made money, then they didn't waste it. But God says, they're not only supposed to give you something useful, they're supposed to make money and then they're supposed to bring you into the kingdom so that you can be connected to me too. And that's exactly the point and it's exactly Jesus's point when we talk about the story of the prodigal son. So I'm gonna get into this story. The other thing I, um, excuse me, before I get into the story, the other thing I want to mention 
is this business that I brought up in the last session of Prodigal and Prodigy. Now, they are from the same Latin root, prodigious, prodigium, like it's a conjugation of the same root word. And basically it means extravagant or lavish. So on the one hand, a prodigy has an extravagant gift. In other words, they have such an amazing lavish gift that somebody that young can't receive by years of training. In other words, like if, you know, there's a 14 year old tennis magnet or a tennis pro, like I think Venus Williams was really, really young when she started doing really well in tennis. Um, she was a tennis prodigy because her years of experience did not equal her level of talent. So it was supernatural. It was lavish. And that's exactly what the prodigal son had. What he was doing was manifesting supernatural principles that he got from his father in a lavish way. And he was wasting them. Why was he wasting them? Because he didn't bring anybody back. He didn't bring anybody to the kingdom and he disconnected himself from the father. So we're going to get into a little more of that today. Just wanted to clear up those points for you so that in case you were wondering, in case the devil crept in and gave you some questions, I didn't want you to lose the heart of the teaching if you didn't understand. Okay, so we're going to get into it. We left off last time in Luke chapter 15, verse 13, where the prodigal son or the younger son, the person that who's operating as a grace-filled Christian has gone into the far off land and he's wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Okay, the old King James says riotous living. And the reason it says riotous is because it's this understanding of just wastefulness, okay? But how many of you know you don't have to sin to be wasteful? Now we know that the prodigal son does sin because his older brother says later, which is weird to me because the older brother wasn't even there. So whatever, but okay, we're just gonna, we're gonna assume that he did sin, but the most important thing is that he did waste it. And if you are not completing God's purpose with the gifts he's given you, even if what you're doing with those gifts is good, then you're wasting the gifts too. Just like Albert Einstein, just like Nikola Tesla. They did good for the world, but they didn't lead anybody to Christ, as far as I know, you know, and I'm, and I'm saying this out of conjecture, so please don't, don't get on to me about that. Okay, so we're gonna move on. We're gonna move on to verse 14. Verse 14 says, but when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Now, I wanna really focus on this because I shared that the devil was letting him be prosperous and that's exactly what happens. So the devil is the God of this world. Okay. And the devil is the author of all the attacks. He's the author of all the failure. He's the author of all the wickedness. He is the one. Okay. Not God at all. And we can, this is so clear in the picture of the prodigal son who causes the famine. Does the father cause the famine? No, not at all right? He doesn't cause the famine. It's the same way God doesn't cause the famine, okay? So what happens is, this is what I like to call an opportune time. Now, when Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted by the devil and Jesus got rid of him, the Bible says that the devil left him until a more opportune time. And for a really long time, I was like, well, how do I know if it's an opportune time so I can have my guard up? You know, how do I know? And one thing that the Spirit of the Lord shared with me is that when you are operating, especially in hyper grace, especially for people who are not legalistic, 
I don't consider myself legalistic, but I am extremely disciplined. Um, and there's a reason for that. And we're going to get into that later on. I don't know if it's going to be this session. It might be the next one, but when I am operating in greasy grace, in other words, I just want to go out and I just want to be stupid and have fun and not think about discipline. Um, in the past, I have been under this hyper grace notion and gone out and drank too much. Okay. And that's a really good example because I think it's a really common example. Um, thinking God's going to forgive me. I'm going to wake up with a hangover. I'm going to puke my guts out and God's going to forgive me. And that's exactly what happened. Did God forgive me? Yes. Um, the Bible says all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. And that certainly was not helpful, <laughs> but this notion of what happened to me in, in drinking, what I realized is that several times, especially if I had this like elevated opinion of how much I could drink and how fun it was and that God would forgive me anyway, like I had this elevated opinion almost of myself really, you know, like I'm fine, I got this, I'm fine, that the devil would let me continue until the next day. So I could continue a while and then the next day would happen, right? And then, then I would be attacked. I would be attacked with a hangover. I would be attacked with, you know, something going wrong that I could have been prepared for had I not gotten drunk or, you know, these kinds of things. And that's what happens. The devil will let you go so far as when you run out of your awareness of God. In other words, you use all your kingdom principles for your own selfish gain. You waste your possessions. I'll give you another example. When I was younger, I used to give tithes like crazy. I waited tables and I gave tithes like all, like out of every single dime. But I wasn't merciful and I wasn't just. But I was under grace and I knew I was under grace. And so this principle of sowing and reaping was working in my benefit, but I never had just enough. But every single time that I would get more than enough, an attack would come and it would wipe out everything. Why? Because that was an opportune time. In other words, I was no longer relying on my relationship with God, but I was relying on my own ability, my own understanding of these principles. And that's when the devil would bring the famine. When you, when I was still connected and giving God honor and glory for what he had taught me and what he'd given me, the principles still operated but when I wasted the principles on myself, I got all the way to the end and then the devil brought the attack. And that's exactly what happens in our lives. We get all the way to the end. Have you ever noticed that sometimes you are so desperate and your faith is razor sharp and you have nothing and you're crying out to God for something and all of a sudden, say you're, you're praying for $2,000 and you, you get the $2,000 and you spend it on what it was you needed. I, this is a really um, good example from mine in your lives, babe, is because there have been times when we've prayed for exactly $2,000 and we've gotten it and we've spent it on what we needed, right? At that time, what we were believing for. And immediately after we spent it, an attack came, wow. And the money that we just spent on something that we wanted, not something that we necessarily needed, but something we wanted, then the attack came is exactly what happened with the prodigal son is that he gets to the end of what he believed God for the end of his business plan and he's no longer connected or giving glory or doing the right thing with it and so then the devil brings the attack 
the devil brings the famine. The father doesn't bring the famine, the enemy brings the famine, okay? And it is also a result of, and I mean, you might say to me, baby, there's no, um, there's no evidence that the devil brought the famine here. It just says there was a famine in the land. Now, just understand that the devil can bring the famine and then also just a result of the fall can bring the famine in that land. Notice that there's no famine in the land where the father is. There's not a famine, okay? And so moving on, the son begins to be in want. And it says in verse 15, it says that he joined himself to a citizen of that country. That's really, really important because what happens when you take kingdom principles and you apply them to the world system, in other words, you take heaven principles, you bring the kingdom of heaven, sowing and reaping, let's just say, down to earth and you apply it in the earth realm, it does work and it does produce. But when you are disconnected from the one who established the principle and the famine comes and the famine will come, you have no choice but to survive like the world survives. But you don't know how. Because your whole life you've been raised following kingdom principles. You don't know how to function in this other world. You don't know how. And so what you do is you join yourself with someone who does know how. So now what you're doing is you're bowing the knee to the world system, okay? The way that the world gets their money, the way that the world does things is different than the way that the father does things. So the prodigal son has gone from a third heaven mindset, reality, joining with God to a first heaven mindset and reality. But he's taken some of the principles with him and that's what kept him alive for a while. But he's cut himself off from the root. Now, he hasn't actually cut himself off from, from the root because we know when he goes back, the father welcomes him and you know he's still his son and all this, but, but this is what happens when we try to use those third heaven principles, the principles that God gives us for his glory and to bring more people into the kingdom, we try to use them for our own selfish gain. When we get to the end of them, the devil brings an attack and we don't know how to survive because we have on purpose cut ourselves off. We don't know how to survive. And so what we do is we go to people who we see in the world around us surviving and making it. And we say, teach me how to do that. It's a really good example. Like for instance, if, if you get a job and God gave you the job and you know that he gave you the job and you go and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this for the glory of God. And I'm going to go into there. That's, that's wonderful. And the job, like my mother has a really good job. You know this, honey, she has a really good job. And it's, and it's a really secular job. Like it's not a kingdom job at all. Like it's very secular. And my mother goes to this job and she goes every day for the glory of God. And my mother at her late age is making more money than she's made in her entire life. Why? Because she's doing it for the glory of God. So she's living in a first heaven. She's living in the world, but she's bringing kingdom principles and bringing people into the kingdom with her. And so God is constantly renewing and re-upping that supply. Whereas a person who gets a job believes God for a job, but then as soon as he gets into a job, doesn't glorify God with that job. Doesn't say, Lord, I'm going to glorify you with this day. I'm going to glorify you. And when I meet people, I'm going to tell them about you. And I'm going to tell them how you've blessed me with this job and how, you know, this and this and this. Like that would be what the prodigal son is doing. So then when he's in that job, and it's he's starting to fail what does he do he looks to people who are successful in the same arena that he is in 
so that he can gain success again, so that he can survive. And that's what he does. That's what the prodigal son does. He says, I've got to join myself with somebody who knows how to be successful in this world. And immediately what happens is the citizen, the guy who he joined himself with, it says he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now this is a Jewish person and he's going to feed swine. You know that you're not supposed to be messing with swine if you're a Jew because the world system will always make you compromise your morality to survive every time. And that's what we see with the prodigal son. That's what we see with people who are in this hyper grace moment. They say, I'm in hyper grace. And now, because I know that I'm still my father's, I'm still connected to him. I know that he'll still forgive me, but I've wasted everything he gave me. So I know he'll still love me, but I'm going to attach to this guy. And I know that he'll, that he'll show me how to do it. And immediately he has to compromise his morality. It was never even a question before. His morality was never brought up before. And the reason for that is because when the devil attacks you with famine, with lack, with want, the very next attack is on your morality. Very next. Okay? The Bible says that we're tempted in three points. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Okay? It's a little bit hard to comprehend for people. But basically, the lust of the flesh is, is want. He's hungry. He, his flesh wants food. The lust of the eyes. In other words, I see that this guy has food or has a way to get food. So I'm going to join myself with him. And when you fall, immediately your morality is challenged. Immediately. So every time that you find famine in your life, the very next thing that's going to be challenged is your morality. Because your morality is challenged so that you can meet the need. Jesus tells us, to not seek first the things that the Gentiles seek first. In other words, don't seek your clothes or how you're going to put food on the table or where you're going to live. Seek th Don't seek those things first. These are the things that the Gentiles seek first. No, you seek the kingdom of heaven first and everything else will be added to you. But what happens is because we know that we're secure in our relationship, whose we are, we're like, it's going to be okay. And we join ourselves with the world and then our morality comes into question immediately because we have to compromise our morality to survive in the world system. Did you, did you catch that? Your morality will be compromised to survive in the world system. Now the next session, we're going to get to the next test of the wicked one and what comes up next and how that happens. And what we do with that makes all the difference. But I hope that, you know, you've learned something from this and I, while I'm telling you this, God has given me downloads and supernatural revelation, and I'm translating what he's saying, and it's, and it's really enlightening me too, so this is good stuff. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed bringing it to you. I'll, uh, I hope to wrap this up in the next session. I'm going to go ahead and record this today since, you know, the spirit is moving, um, but you're not going to see it for a week, so be sure to tune in next time. Remember that I love you and that Jesus loves you.